Hello and welcome to the Feeling Good Podcast. I am your host, Fabrice Nye, and joining me here in the Murrieta Studios is Dr. David Burns. Hi, David. Hi, Fabrice. Dr. David Burns has been a pioneer in the development of cognitive therapy, and he is the creator of the new team therapy. He is the author of Feeling Good, which has sold over 5 million copies in the United States and has been translated into over 20 languages. He is an emeritus adjunct clinical professor of psychiatry at the Stanford University School of Medicine. Okay, so uh, today we are going to look at the fourth model of uh, anxiety. And uh, correct me if I'm wrong, David, this is going to be the motivational model, right? Uh, Absolutely, yeah. Okay, great. So um, how do we use this model in the treatment of anxiety then? Great. By the way, good morning, Fabrice. Oh, good morning, yes. (laughs) (laughs) And we have uh, one or two little announcements before we dive into this uh, final uh, edition on the treatment of anxiety. We'll have a lot more in the future on uh, interpersonal exposure techniques and on, uh, you know, benzodiazepines, you know, the truth about benzodiazepines, should they be used in the treatment of anxiety, drugs like Xanax and, and, and Valium that are so intensely popular, and a lot of really fun additional topics on anxiety, but we'll we'll save them uh, for, for some future podcasts so we get onto different kinds of topics. Uh, since we've had several on anxiety. And then the other announcement is that we want to remind people about a couple of things. First, we're, we're giving kind of a, an overview here of uh, right. the treatment of anxiety and, and, and depression, kind of to, to whet your appetite. Um, so some of you may want to dig, dig deeper, uh, whether you're coming from the point of view of a therapist wanting training or an individual wanting personal healing for your own depression or anxiety or relationship problems. If if you're a therapist wanting more training, you can go to my website, feelinggood.com, and take a look at my work, workshop uh, page. Uh, and uh, I'm, I'm doing workshops around the country on, on, on various themes, uh, two-day workshops and sometimes uh, four-day four workshops, uh, the intensives. Uh, you can also go to www.feelinggoodinstitute, that's one word, feelinggoodinstitute.com. Uh, in, they're in Mountain View, California, and the one thing they offer, which I think is just fabulous, I don't have any commercial interest in it whatsoever, but they offer uh, weekly uh, wet webinars for small groups of therapists uh, who really want to learn how to do team team CBT, and uh, they have other uh, treatment and training options on that website as as well. Yes, um, and, and I want to emphasize the the word treatment as well because uh, uh, for people who are local to the Bay Area, they do have a clinic, and uh, you can actually um, go and work with some very experienced therapists there. Yeah, or if you're from anywhere in the world, some people go there for an intensive for a few days of uh, multiple sessions per per, per day, and, and and for some people that that can be an option right. as as well. Uh, let's see, there was one other thing I was going to mention, but uh, now I can't remember what it is. So why don't we just go ahead and dive we'll in? We'll come back for, to you. Yes, let's uh, yeah. dive in. 
and so, also those of you who have been emailing uh, comments and, and stuff to my website, feelinggood.com, I sure appreciate that. I've been answering a lot of them uh, directly, and this is creating a kind of a dialogue between uh, Fabrice and myself on the one hand and, and, and you folks on, on the other, so so we can, uh, you know, so I can comment on various uh, qu questions that you ask right there on my website as well. Now, the motivational model is, is, the, for, is the fourth model that I use in the treatment of anxiety. And I want to emphasize that if you want to get a complete elimination of, of, of symptoms, uh, you, you need to know how to integrate all four models with, 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 every, with every patient uh, because or every client, whatever word you want to use. Um, a, a young man came to me uh, in, in Philadelphia uh, for the treatment of severe PTSD, that's post-traumatic stress disorder. Right. His story was he'd been uh, working at like a Burger King or something like that, and he was closing up uh, at night, Sam was, and two kind of sadistic armed gunmen came in and robbed the place and and before they they left uh they they threw him into a walk-in freezer and uh locked him in there uh and and went out laughing you know le left him there to freeze to death and went out laughing at what a you know clever clever thing that they'd done uh, the next morning the manager came in early and noticed the lights on and the doors open, realized something was wrong and opened up the walk-in freezer and there was Sam uh, still alive, uh, but badly uh, traumatized. And, right. uh, and then for the next six months, he recovered physically. They never found the, 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 armed, the armed gunman, uh, but he, 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 be, he started having panic attacks uh, all day long, rage attacks uh, all day long, totally incapacitating to, to him. He, he was not applying for disability or anything like that. There were no financial issues involved, but, but he came to me saying that his, his life had, had been really kind of ruined by this episode, and he was in a constant state of uh, distress and angst and misery and panic and rage and anger. And he said he would wake up, he couldn't even sleep well at night, he would wake up in the middle of the night uh, screaming sometimes with, uh, you know, horrible dreams or waking up in a, in a rage or, or a panic. Uh, Sam had been reading about uh, veterans, uh, you know, Vietnam veterans or Iraq war veterans, veterans, Afghanistan, and their severe symptoms of PTSD and how often they received years of different treatments in the VA hospital w without good results. And he wanted to know, he wanted to know if he was hopeless. Uh, was, was there any chance for someone as, as severe as, as, as he was? Um, I, 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 I told Sam that, that, that he was in luck and, and that we had, uh, you know, tremendous new, new techniques to treat his PTSD, that is and, PTSD. And what year I, was that? Approximately? Uh, well, I don't know. This must have been, oh, good. Oh, it would have been in the, you know, around, probably around 1990 or something, okay. a good 25 years ago. Yeah. Um, but, you know, the the techniques um, were uh, really quite new at that time. By the way, we just had a 
brief electricity out and the computer went on the uh, backup battery, but it's off now, so we're in good shape. Sure. Um, uh, and and I, I I told him that we that his 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 symptoms of PTSD were actually caused by his his negative thoughts, the messages that that he was giving himself, and that those thoughts were often distorted, and and that when you change the way you think, you can change the way you you feel. We couldn't make the trauma itself disappear, but 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 that his feelings were entirely created by by his thoughts. And so that the prognosis was good. And I explained that in addition, we had tremendous visual imaging t techniques available, that he was having flashbacks and he would remember the episode uh, and, and, and either get very angry with, and have fantasies of getting revenge on these, on these fellows or, or imagine getting mugged on the, on the streets of Philadelphia or you know, getting murdered or something like, like that. And that he would picture these, the, these things and, and that these pictures in his mind were also causing the intense negative feelings he was experiencing and that we could modify yeah. these pictures in his mind using, using visual imaging techniques and mod, uh, uh, modify these distorted negative thoughts and the prognosis was, was actually excellent. And then he asked me, uh, well, how much, you know, improvement could I hope for? You know, are we talking 25% reduction symptoms or, you know, 35% or, or what? And I said, well, well, no, Sam, I, I said, I'd, I'd be looking for, you know, dramatic reductions in, in your symptoms. In fact, a, a complete elimination of your symptoms so you could get back to joy and, and self-esteem. And uh, he seemed very skeptical uh, at, at, at that point and 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 he said well how how long would would this take are we talking about years of treatment or decades of treatment um, you know what what could he look forward to and I, and I said well Sam I you know I can't guarantee any particular outcome uh, that's you know impossible and also unethical but I can tell you what my hunch is and my hunch is is that it would probably just just take a handful of sessions and we could complete the treatment like you know it might even be you know four or five sessions something like that would would be my my hunch now i thought that he would just be thrilled to give to get this message from me here here is a young man who's right. suff go ahead no no what i i mean i i agree with you you propose something that would be like a dramatic improvement for him you would think that you would jump at the opportunity. Yeah, you go to a doctor, you have horrible suffering. The doctor says, hey, there's a great prognosis. We got a good treatment. It's, got, it's likely going to make your problem disappear entirely. I thought he'd be all happy and excited. And instead, he turned on me like a, an angry, wounded lion or something like that. And, you know, he's kind of throwing four letters, words at me. He seemed to be kind of in, in a rage, and it's like I was his worst enemy in the world. Now, what I'm going to do is ask you listeners to do a little bit of thought exercise. You know, if you're driving, just think about it, but if you're sitting at a desk, take a, a piece of paper out and, and do a little written exercise. And you may want to and, pause the podcast if you can right now. <laughs> Yeah, once I give you the instruction, then pause it and do this this fun fun exercise. And then once you've you know written down what I want you to write down, then you can turn the podcast back on and I'll give you the you know tell tell you what 
what happened. But um, essentially, he, he was doing what, what you know, lo- looks an awful lot like what we call therapeutic resistance. And this is the motivational model of, of, of anxiety. And, and, and you remember that, that there's outcome and process re- resistance for depression, for anxiety, for relationship problems, and for habits and addictions. And one of the unique things of team therapy is new methods for melting away ther- therapeutic resistance. And you know you're getting into therapeutic resistance when, when the patient is fighting you, resisting you, yes-butting you. And, and you're pushing, trying to help, and the patient is, 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 is pushing back, and you're kind of locking horns. And so this was a, a beautiful example of, of resistance. And, and, and so what you want to do when, when a patient is resisting, the, the, the outcome resistance for anxiety is magical thinking. You see, the, the anxious patient believes that the anxiety is going to prevent something bad from, from happening. And so if you don't address that and you try to cure the anxious patient or help the anxious patient, whatever way you want to look at it, and you haven't addressed the outcome resistance, the patient will fight you. And that's exactly what, what's happening with, with, with Sam. And so one of the two things I want you to do when you pause the audio recording is to write down, if you can think of uh, some ad- in fact, draw a line down a piece of paper from the top to the bottom, a, a vertical line splitting the paper into two columns, and label the left-hand column ADV for advantages and, and the right-hand column DIS for disadvantages. And I want you only to work on the left-hand column and see if you can write down several advantages or benefits for Sam to continue to, to feel panicky, to have panic attacks and to have rage attacks and to, and to continue feeling <clears throat> extremely upset about this event. Re- reasons why he might very well want to fight against a therapist who, who offers to make these symptoms improve or disappear. That's your, your first assignment and that probably will be easy f- for you. I've, I've tried to give you an example that, you know, will help you understand this rather than be confusing to you. And the second thing is I want you to think of some errors that Sam's shrink made. You see, and this is perhaps for for therapists primarily, but if you're a general public person or or client, a patient, it's important for you to understand this too. What errors did I, the therapist, make? Sam described a problem and I jumped in and tried to help. What, What were... David's uh, therapeutic errors, and and see if you can jot down one or one or two errors that obvious glaring errors that that, that David made. So, um, why should we just count one, two, three, and then say pause well, and yeah, just just pause now. Okay, so hopefully now we are back, and you've done this exercise. So, can't wait to uh, hear the solution, David. Well, uh, sure. It's 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 a fun it's a fun thing. Did did you do it, Fabrice, or does anything uh, j- jump to your mind for some benefits to Sam? Well, yeah. uh, um, of course, yes. Um, for me, the obvious benefit is that um, if he is not constantly anxious and vigilant and on guard, this could happen to him again. He needs to protect himself. 
That's without. beautiful. That's that's certainly uh, number one. And and I asked Sam to do this exercise in 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 the session, and that was the very first thing he put down on the cost benefit analysis sheet that I gave him. Some benefits of his of his anxiety and his anger, and that's it. Uh, it's it's going to keep him going to keep him safe, keep him, him him vigilant. If he lets down his guard, he might get mugged again. Right. That's a good one. Anything else jump to mind, Fabrice? Well, um, I mean, there, there's a number of things that could be going on. You know, it's personal to each person. But uh, I would say that in this case, this is something really terrible that happened to him. And um, he just doesn't want to say, okay, well, that was not a problem. I want to let go of it. I'd just rather be happy right now. It would not be um, honoring something that was actually uh, objectively traumatic and pretend like it was not a big deal. So, well, I love what you're saying, and, and that would be one of David's errors. You, you see, <clears throat> that's why I developed team therapy to try to prevent these kinds of errors, First, you do testing. At the beginning of the session, I saw that his uh, anger and depression and anxiety scores were off the charts. He was he was very severe. And then I, I should have initially started out with empathy and given him his day in court and, and, and tell me how awful it, it had been and for him and what a horrible experience it was. But I skipped that and, and jumped in to, to, to tell him I could make all of this go away in a, in a few sessions. And that would have the the impact of kind of trivializing his his suffering and saying, oh well, you know, Vietnam veterans or Afghanistan veterans, they've got real problems. That yours is just a trivial thing, and it'll disappear in three or four or five sessions. And so I, I had a, a real empathy failure, and that would be another reason and another advantage or another reason for him to uh, you know fight fight back against me so that that's a, a darn good one Fabrice anything else uh, j- j- jump to mind any other benefits of his anxiety or his anger well so um, I, I don't know the exact details but I imagine that uh, for Sam uh, having been the the victim of uh, such a, a harsh attack uh, there's a certain uh, level of recognition. People see him as having been a victim, and he's seeing himself as having been a victim, and he's getting some attention for this. Uh, there's a whole drama and story that forms around that, and uh, um, curing him would sort of uh, make that story go away. Well, that's always a, a, a certain consideration. Therapists sometimes call that a secondary gain, and it's promoted heavily as a source of, of, of resistance. Um, I'm really glad you brought that one up. I, I would say that that probably wasn't go- going on with, with Sam. He, he wasn't, you know, trying to get attention or, or getting a lot of attention. He was just kind of uh, suffering suffering alone. Uh, but but it's, it's always, always a, a consideration. Um, but but another thing that that came up that that Sam wrote down the the, the second thing he he wrote down was was you know I I have a right to be angry uh, because what what those men did was was you know sadistic and and and, and cruel right uh, and. Uh, and, and he, and then he also wrote down that, you know, what what he went through was very, very severe. All the things that 
that you brought up. So he had about oh, three or four advantages he, he wrote down of, of, of his symptoms. And, and a cost-benefit analysis is, is, is certainly one way of, of, of dealing with resistance. But I do it paradoxically. Um, and, and so the way I did it with Sam is, is once he wrote down these things uh, and took him about five minutes to come up with several advantages of his anxiety and rage. Then instead of trying to talk him out of these things, I tried to talk him into these things. And and so I, I looked at the first thing on his list was the, the anxiety keeps me safe. And, and then I said to, to Sam, well, you know, uh, I'm feeling kind of ridiculous now you know, do I have the tools to make your anxiety improve or disappear? A- absolutely, I do. Would would those tools be effective? I, I'm pretty confident they, they would be. But now I'm thinking that it doesn't make sense to, to use those tools and, and make your, your anxiety disappear because you're living in the most dangerous area of Philadelphia, uh, the, uh, and, and, and there are a lot of murders in, in that in that area near uh, let's say Drexel University just to disguise it from the disguise the details a little bit to protect his his identity and uh, and and now I understand why you were fighting me so heavily uh, a, a few minutes ago when I, I said we could work together and make this 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 disappear so when I made that statement, I was giving up my role as the therapist, and I was instead becoming the voice of Sam's subconscious resistance. And the interesting thing is if you do that in a sincere and genuine way, and those were genuine, sincere statements, uh, because it is, it is very dangerous uh, where, where, he, where he lives. There, are, there is a lot of ro- assault and murders and robberies and, and that type of thing. Um, and, and then once I had said that, then he instantly said, yes, but does it really keep me safe? He said, maybe the bad guys can smell it if you're scared and anxious, and they're, they're more likely to attack you. And, and, and maybe if you just use common sense and you're kind of relaxed and confident uh, and don't you know, do something foolish like walk into a dark area at night, he says, maybe that's the best way to, to, to keep safe. So before I go on here, notice uh, notice what just happened in that sound again. We had another uh, brief electrical out here, but now that's it's working again. And and so notice what's happening as I verbalize the reasons not to change. He he suddenly took the role of uh, of wanting to change, and that's the the one of the keys to what we call paradoxical agenda setting in in uh, in, in team therapy. Now, I, I didn't want to let up uh, on this, and, and so I said, well, Sam, you, you defeated me on that first one. I, I agree with you. Maybe the anxiety and the panic aren't really keeping you, you safe. But let's look at this other thing that you wrote down, that you have every right to, to be angry. And once again, I'm, I'm, I'm in agreement with, with you. Do, do, the, do I have the tools to reduce your anger? Absolutely, I do. Could we make it disappear completely? I can't guarantee that, but my prediction is is, is we, we could do that. But now I'm thinking, you know, I'm embarrassed again to have offered you that because that that would let those guys know that they're getting away with it. It would be like saying, oh, you can, you can rob me, you can sadistically throw me, you know, into a walk-in freezer to, to, to freeze to death. 
uh, treat me abusively and I'll, I won't be angry. I'll, I'll just be, be happy about it. You, you know, I'm a doormat, you know, just use me any, any way you want. Right. And I said, that would be ridiculous, uh, uh, Sam. Your, your anger shows that you're a man. It shows that you have a value system. It shows that you stand up for system. It shows that you're not going to let those guys get, get away with it. Right. And uh, you've convinced me that we probably don't want to make your anxiety disappear. And so once again, notice what, what's happening is I'm becoming the voice of his resistance. I'm not trying to persuade him to change. I'm taking the role and it has to be done in a genuine way, not not as a gimmick. You have to really see. Yes, he has every right to be angry. He 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 should be be angry. We we need people to stand up against all the awful things that are going on in the in the world right right now. And then once I did that, again, he then suddenly took the other side of the coin, because once I'm the voice of the resistance, he becomes the voice of change. And, and he said, well, yes, uh, you know, Dr. Burns, uh, that, that, that all is well and good, and that might be true. But, but the fact is, the men who mug me don't even know how angry I am. He said they probably don't even live in Pennsylvania anymore. They're probably down in Florida robbing Burger Kings down there as, as we speak. And so the, the only one who's suffering because of my anger is, is me. I, I'm making myself miserable uh, I'm not doing anything that's going to result in them getting arrested or or, or caught, and and so that's once very again, insightful of him. Yeah, well, most I find that most patients, you know, can can see these these things, uh, uh, you know, pretty pretty well. You see, we have this powerful, compassionate, supportive voice in our minds. That, that, and so when you do paradoxical agenda setting, you're just giving the patient permission, in a sense, to, to let go of, 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 the, of the negativity. Uh, but but it's, it's very hard for friends, for family members, and for therapists to learn to do this because of codependency and narcissism. We want to be experts, and we want to jump in and help the, exactly you know, the error that I had made, showing them, oh, I'm so great, I've got these techniques, I'm going to help you. And that actually caused, caused him to fight back against me and then when you let go of that you let that codependent narcissistic therapeutic helper voice die and you become the voice of the patient's resistance it's actually a deep form of, of empathy because you're suddenly seeing where the patient is, is really coming from and once you've honored the resistance the resistance has a way of, of disappearing well the third thing that he that he wrote down on his list of advantages of his symptoms was was, was that uh, it made sense for him to, to be upset, you know, because of what he had, had happened to him was, 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 was very real and really very horrific. And so, again, I wouldn't let him off the hook, and I continued to play the role of his resistance. I said, well, Sam, you beat me on the anxiety thing, you beat me on the anger thing, but, but, but tell, tell me, uh, Sam, if you go along with what this new doctor is telling you and, and he can work with you in four or five sessions and, and, and you'll recover, wouldn't that tend to trivialize your, your, your suffering? Uh, and, and, and wouldn't that be kind of an, an insult to you? These, these symptoms that you're feeling, the intense anxiety, the panic, the night terrors, the, the rage attacks, this is really a way of honoring uh, 
what happened to you because it was real and it was terrible. And so you have every right to, to have these, these, these kinds of symptoms. And if you work with this new doctor using his, his, his tools to make the symptoms disappear, wouldn't that kind of mean that uh, what had happened to you what was, not, was not important, that it, that it really it wasn't severe? Wouldn't that trivialize it for you? And, and now notice again, I'm becoming the voice of the resistance. And when I said that, he, he, he said to me, yes, but doctor, but isn't six months of suffering enough to make my point? And while I have the right to be miserable, don't I have the right to be happy as well? And isn't it time now for me to set this, these feelings down? Uh, and, and doctor, to tell you the truth, um, uh, I'm beginning to to look at this entirely differently. And so I said, well, Sam, now let's think about the advantages and disadvantages of your suffering because I do have the tools and I'd love to work with you, but I want to make sure we're on the same page. So I said, let's balance the advantages of your symptoms against the disadvantages. Remember the three advantages? It's going to keep you safe. The anxiety is going to keep you safe and vigilant. And if you let down your guard, something awful might happen. The advantages of the anger, it, it, right to be angry, uh, what they did was, was cruel. It shows that you're going to be a man, that you're going to stick up for yourself. And in addition, your suffering honors the horror of, of, of what you went through. Those are the advantages. And the three disadvantages you've now written down is, number one, maybe the anxiety doesn't actually keep you safe. And number two... You're only hurting yourself with your anger. You know, the men who mugged you don't even know you're angry. And then finally, that six months of horrific, miserable suffering is enough to, to make your point that what they did was truly sadistic and, and, and awful and wrong. How do you balance them and put two numbers? And I have a cost-benefit form with two kind of bubbles on the bottom. And I said, put two numbers in there that add up to 100. Show what is stronger, the those three powerful advantages or the three very real disadvantages. And he put 3565 in the circles, the 35 for the advantages of his symptoms and 65 for the disadvantages. And, right, and, and the two numbers add up to 100, right? Yeah, two numbers that add, add, up, to, add up to 100. And... Uh, and then he he, he he looked up at me and he says, Dr. Burns, I think I've changed my mind. What are those tools? I'm, I'm really ready ready to pick them up and, and use them now. And then I just did the very typical things. I, I pulled out a daily mood log, had him write down his negative thoughts and identify the distortions in them and come up with positive thoughts to challenge them. We used visual imaging techniques, visual exposure techniques to, to, to remember the trauma, make himself as anxious as possible uh, until the anxiety di disappeared, until, until the, 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 the memories the, and, and also the, the rage fantasies just by intentionally trying to make yourself anxious and angry, uh, they, they quickly dissipated and the memories and the fantasies lost their power to upset him and, and he was very good at challenging his own negative thoughts. And it really was uh, just three or four sessions that we worked together 
and his symptoms all went to zero. They didn't improve. They, they were completely annihilated and he felt joy and self-esteem and we did a little relapse prevention training which only takes about 20 minutes in, in most cases and I never saw him again after that. Um, but if we, I hadn't done the addressed his resistance, uh, his outcome resistance, uh, with, with a powerful and, and valid technique, he'd probably still be my patient today, still kind of fighting me and complaining and insisting that the tools weren't any good and, and, and that type of thing. And, and that's the motivational model for anxiety, but we also use that model in the treatment of depression uh, in the in the in the treatment, but it's different. The way you do it for depression would be radically different from this. In in relationship problems and anger, and of course he also had anger, so we were dealing the resistance uh, for an anger problem. Uh, but we do it when when treating anyone with a conflicted relationship, the outcome resistance, and for habits and addictions as well, the outcome resistance can can be intense. And the way these are melted away, it's different for each for each type of, of a problem. But I would say in my whole career, uh, I have, I would say maybe two or three things I've developed or discovered or learned or whatever that have made the hugest impact on, on me and, and the outcome, the effects of, of the therapy that I do. And, and I would say that learning to deal with uh, outcome resistance and, and, uh, and process resistance has, has been one of the, the hugest uh, innovations that uh, that have just made therapy much faster, much much more effective, and in a way, much more compassionate. I, I tend to agree with you, uh, David. I mean, of course, I agree with you because I, I really have espoused this model, and I, I would say that uh, the uh, the uh, addressing of the resistance has really. I transform my practice, and uh, you you call this agenda setting. I wanted to to um, briefly talk about uh, the term. Uh, what I found is that uh, when when I've talked about this to uh, different people, they've gotten confused because they they think of agenda setting as you know making a treatment plan and and. Uh, it's not that. So uh, I just want uh, our listeners to understand that when we use the term agenda setting, it is equivalent to saying we're going to address the resistance before even applying any techniques. That's a great point. And um, uh, yeah, because therapists think they do agenda setting, but it has nothing to do with the, with these methods. I call it paradoxical agenda setting, but maybe we... We should change the name further and call it uh, resistance busting techniques, or yeah. some, some, something something right. like that. Yes, uh, of course that would uh, kind of mess up the team acronym. But well, we can come up with a new <laughs> acronym. But uh, yeah, team is good because it really this allows you to do teamwork with the patient. You see, once Sam was on my side, it was you know recovery was just a stone's throw away, and I found that with almost every patient I, I treat, if if I can bust or reduce or melt away the resistance uh, using these new techniques, then the patient works with me, and and it's just incredible how how easy therapy has become. I know that's the whole point um, because it, it really impressed me that the day you you, you asked me, uh, so what's your IQ, and you know we're not gonna 
go and talk about what it was, but um, and then you say, and what's my IQ? And uh, and when you add them up together, that's a lot of brain power to really attack those problems. And there's no problem that can resist this if we put our heads together. But if we put our heads against each other, then we're not going to go anywhere. Yeah. I'll tell you something kind of cool, and I love what you're saying. Uh, last night I had my Wednesday training group for the psychiatric residents at, at Stanford. Oh, yes. I have two two training groups, and oh, this is something I forgot to mention earlier. For you know, for Bay Area mental health professionals, we have I have a free weekly training group at Stanford Tuesday nights. It's a two and a half hour really joyous uh, group, and we we practice these techniques, illustrate them, and people go into small groups. But I'd also started a Wednesday group for the psychiatric residents at Stanford, and, and they initially just seemed to they seemed like they hated me because I was saying we now have really high-speed treatment techniques, and you can often see a complete elimination of symptoms in a severely depressed or anxious patient in a single two-hour therapy session. Now, I'm not sure everyone can, can do that. I, I know a lot of people don't know how to do that, but that's what, I, what I've been seeing in my in my clinical work, and it, it's 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 fairly fairly predictable. Well, the residents they just busted me, and they thought I was a fraud and a phony because they're taught that you know depression and anxiety build up over years like a huge mountain, and you have to you know scoop the mountain away with a shovel, you know shovelful by shovelful, and it takes years for people to to, to recover. And so they they just they they couldn't comprehend what I was saying and they kept saying on the feedback forms they didn't trust me and they didn't believe what I was saying and and then finally last night you know we had uh, six psychiatric residents at that group and they got it and it was like so exciting and electrifying and one of them gave the image of, of recovery he's, he's, think about a lightning storm and when you look up at the lightning there's this kind of web in the sky and the lightning is looking for some way to connect with with the earth and, and then when it finally finds the spot where, where it's going to come down, it, there's this intense lightning bolt. And this, it lights up intensely and all this energy goes through and that there's this sudden uh, transformation. And he says that's kind of like the new, new model of recovery, that when, when, when you re get rid of the therapeutic resistance and then you, you come to the right technique, the recovery is sudden. And when people recover in my clinical work, it's, it, it often happens in about a minute. Now, it isn't a minute within meeting them. It may be three or four sessions if you're doing hour-long sessions. It may take a number of sessions or even more before you get to the, the technique that works. But when people recover, in my experience, it's, it's kind of like a, a, sudden, a, a, sudden, a sudden thing. But you've got to get rid of the resistance plus have good treatment techniques in order to, to, to experience this fantastic to me, fantastic phenomenon. Yeah. Well, um, yeah. Thank you very much for the uh, for this uh, vignette. I think it really uh, uh, puts into perspective how motivation is really like the lubricant that makes therapy happen. Yeah. Therapy without uh, eliminating the resistance is like trying to run an engine without oil. You're just going to yeah. burn it out. Right. Well. Um, Lovely, David. Um, I want to, um, if you don't mind, I'd like to give people a preview of coming attractions. We're, we're planning to do a, an entire session with a, a 
volunteer uh, who's agreed to uh, work with uh, one of uh, our very experienced and skillful therapists, um, Jill, from the Feeling Good Institute. And uh, we're going to be uh, doing the entire session from uh, zero to cure, hopefully. And we're going to be breaking this down into segments and, and really talk about how Jill and, and you, maybe as a co-therapist, will, uh, will proceed on how to help this uh, volunteer. And I think this will be very interesting to people to kind of have a, a blow-by-blow of how to work with a, with a client. Yes, that's going to be very, very exciting. I'm looking forward to two, and and the individual who has has volunteered. I'm not 100% sure who, who it's going to be, but I, I think actually it's we're going to be recording it in two in two days, right, yes. Fabrice? Yes. Um, and um, he, he he has a common problem that many uh, listeners can identify with, whether you're a a general citizen type or a therapist, you know, often we beat up on ourselves thinking that we failed in some important way in our life. And, and this gentleman is, is kind of beating up on himself and saying he's been a failure as, as a father. He's, he's a, I know this individual and he's very warm and, and really, you know, a wonderful guy. And I know that's going to be a very touching and, 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 and hopefully inspiring session. And, you got a chance to to see the work of my my brilliant co-teacher of my Stanford group, Jill Levitt, a, a clinical psychologist. And we love to do co-therapy together, and she, she's just she's just fabulous. So that that is a special thing that Fabrice has has set up has set up for us. I, I really like how you uh, how you um, you know put uh, Jill on the spot while, when you're doing a training. I've seen this and. You'd, do that a number of times where you just finish a, a sentence and then you turn to Jill and you say, now Jill will say something very smart. And she's just like, oh, I'm on the and spot And she again. always does. And she, she always does, absolutely, it's true. That's, that's really brilliant and practical. That's and what amazes has, has a heart of gold and a brain of Einstein, so she's yeah. fabulous to work with. Absolutely. All right. Well, thank you, David. That was a, a great session. And uh, so... Um, I think after that we may have a, a few uh, Ask David podcasts, and I want to encourage people to go onto the website feelinggood.com and leave some uh, questions that uh, we can uh, answer. Yes, and one last upcoming thing is that one of my uh, new students in the uh, Stanford uh, training group has had a personal background of very horrific political trauma of the worst kind in her country of origin. And she recently asked me the question, uh, can the five secrets of effective communication be effective with, with someone who is violent and hostile and abusive? And so I promised uh, to do a podcast uh, on, on to give four examples of uh, people who have interacted with uh, g- genuinely uh, hostile, abusive individuals, including one who had uh, was kidnapped by a serial killer, who intended to rape and murder her, yeah. and so that that might be of interest to, to people too who want to look a, a bit more deeply in, in, into the five secrets uh, of, of effective communication. Yeah. 
That sounds good. Oh, and one more thing comes to mind is that for people who are um, local to um, Stanford and the Bay Area, how uh, can they uh, contact you or uh, if they want to join your Tuesday group as clinicians? Um, there is a contact person. I don't – it changes from time to time who our contact per person is for, for the group. Right now it's Chris Stack up in, in Oakland. But the way to, to get the contact in for hers or whoever the, the contact person is, is go to my website, feelinggood.com. Feeling good is one word with two G's in the middle. And there, under the resources, it talks about unlimited free training for Bay Area mental health professionals okay. at Stanford. Uh, you don't have to be associated with Stanford to come. You just have to be some kind of thera therapist. Yeah. And uh, and you can get her email I don't. I think it's email, maybe phone number there, and then she'll. There's a consent form to come to the group and talk about the requirements of of, of the group, consistent attendance, and things like that are, are are required. But it's it's totally free of charge, and it's we have a great time. All right. Well, thank you, David. I think that's enough for the announcements, uh, and so join us again for uh, our next episode. This was episode 28, I think. Wow, 28. Okay, goodbye, Fabrice. Okay. Have a great day. It's always a joy to work with you. It's one of the highlights of my week. All right, thank you, David. Bye-bye. This has been another episode of the Feeling Good Podcast. For more information, visit Dr. Burns' website at feelinggood.com where you will find the show notes for this podcast under the blog page and where you can leave your comments and questions. The website has an abundance of resources for therapists as well as non-therapists, including books, workshops, a list of online training groups around the world, and much more. Theme music is Gypsy Jazz in Paris, 1935, composed and performed by Brett Van Donzel. I am your host, Fabrice Nye, and I invite you to join us next time for another episode of the Feeling Good Podcast.